January, February to do Super Two this year. Yeah. Oh, so you're doing back to back last year at that that, that yeah that huge festival. By yeah. Way, I liked I liked that, yeah, that, that was version good. of Bathurst. Full, that was cool. Full week at Bathurst with how many? There was like how many was, categories geez, was it? That was everything. That was ARG and Super yeah. categories. Yeah. That was that was that was yeah. We done like you qualifying on like the. Tuesday or something, <laughs> and I still I still had in my last eighty six race on the Sunday morning. <laughs> so you just it was a race's dream. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Brooke was like, "Oh, is there going to be more of that?" And I was like, "Unfortunately, no. yeah." No. Yeah, I know. We tuned in this week. I was like, "Oh." Yes. <laughs> got got us excited last year. Yeah. So you didn't you didn't know at the time. No, nah, both categories. By then, I was. I even. We would like to thank our major sponsor, Thrifty Car Rental. If you're looking for a great deal on your next car rental for an upcoming trip, check out their website for the latest offers. You can find all the links in our show notes. Go, go, go! Are you doing it? He's in! That's a massive crash! And it's happened immediately! This is amazing! Big shot, big shot! And it's lights out and away we go! G'day, I'm Dan Hooley Hollihan and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the couch with Hooley season two which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, eras and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got the legendary Cameron Crick. Cam is a born and bred racer with the adrenaline bug. He puts his heart and his soul into his racing, which stems all the way down the family tree. Cam's dad, Rodney, was a famous truck and be it supercar racer in the late 80s and early 90s. Taking his own path, Cameron has created his own career from scratch as he pushes towards the supercar's dream. Brooke and I deep dive with Cameron about his family life, chasing sponsorships, mental health both on and off the track, and racing in the Super 2 paddock. Anyway, that's enough from me, so let's hear it from the man himself, Cameron Crick. Well, Cammy, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for ages, I'm and you're finally get, here. I'm hard to get a hold of, aren't I? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. No, it's good to be here. Yeah, I've been actually looking forward to it. I've never sat down and done something like this, so yeah. it'd be it'd be good. Yeah, you were telling me about other podcasts. I guess our one's different because you actually get to have that social interaction, which a lot of podcasts are on the phone and whatnot. What are the, what's the difference with those podcasts to this one, though? Well, straight away, like this is more of a casual chat. Like you've got some content here with, I don't know, it's, I think it's cool. Like you sit down and actually have a longer conversation where – different things I've done before. Like you, do, you might be talking to someone on the phone for, you know, 10 minutes and mm. um, it mightn't sound as good or I can already hear myself in this. It sounds like yeah. what a podcast sounds like. It's yeah. good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of this. Obviously, it's a lot of putting together fit for you guys instead of just calling someone up. But yeah. Um, this is a good idea. Yeah. How is it, how is it getting here though? Because you're from all the way from Bartsway, Camden, Picton, Camden. Yeah. Well, um, Warombi I'm from, so yeah, in between sort of Camden and Picton. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was probably close to two hours. Oh, hour forty five, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a hike, but I just had the tunes on and made a few phone calls like I always do and <laughs> next minute I was here. Just business development on the way here. Yeah, talk about it, never yeah. stops. What's Warom what's Warombi like? Well, I actually live on or well, Abby and I live on five acres at the back of her parents' property. So yeah. um they got a real long sort of steep driveway and we're up the back um, and they've got sheep and dogs and chicken and yeah. um, it's, I, I like it. Like I've, only, I've moved out there. So her, um, so Abby's brother was, it's like a shed basically, a granny flat up the back of their property. Yeah. 
Um, and Abby's older brother lived in there, and then Abby's older sister lived in there, and now she's in there with me. Yeah. And yeah, I, I I like it. So you moved out there probably a year, eighteen months ago. Yeah. And for us, it's you know like I'm obviously way a lot with racing and different schedules during the week, and then she's paramedic playing footy. So we sort of don't really cross paths all that much. So it's a pretty good, I guess, meeting point for us just to. Yeah, hang out when we see each other. Do you um, see each other at night, or is her the night? Is, is Abby the night shift, or, or oh, does it switch ever around and then you kind of see each other at certain times during the day or whatnot? Yeah, like some, well, some more. Like I've been doing a few nights out at Eastern Creek, so like sometimes we'll see each other in the morning, and then she might start at ten or eleven, finish at ten or eleven that night. Yeah. Sometimes if she's like six in the morning till six, then she'll go straight to training or straight to the gym. Or so I, I reckon we probably actually sit down and have dinner together maybe once a week or yeah. maybe once every two weeks, depending on where I'm at. Like obviously next week I'm in Adelaide for the full week. Yeah. So she'll be off off shift, sitting at home twiddling her thumbs, thinking, "Where's Cam? He's yeah. he's away." <laughs> so um, she doesn't come with you to every race meeting, just because nah, of her schedule. In yeah. A way. She no. She she's come to a fair few. Um, like she, she's there as soon as she can, but obviously yeah. with like when she's not playing the actual NRLW, she um, plays in like the feeder series for that. Yeah. So like she would still train three nights a week and when she's not doing that, she's paramedic four days on or four arvos on, four off. So it's hard, it's hard to Adelaide being a four-day event. Mm. You know, I'm there for a week. It's sort of hard to line up. Yeah, so she's, she's uh, I don't know if she was come to Bathurst, but she's come to a few this year. She gets there as soon as she can. So. Yeah. What's the feeder series to the NRLW? Because we were saying outside that it's just, there's a lot of girls, but they're trying to obviously monetize it in a way to get them all paid. How's that all work well, they, from her end? It's sort of like the New South, well, there's obviously Men's Rugby League, then New South Wales Cup, I guess. Yeah. I think it's the New South Wales Cup of the Women's W, basically. So it's only in... New South Wales or Sydney. So I think it's like North Sydney. They still have like Bulldogs, St. Mary's, Mounties and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's where like the Sydney NRLW teams, I guess, pick their their players from that, I guess, pool of teams. So she she only started playing um, – well, she always played netball and Oztag and touch footy and all that, but she only started playing tackle footy in 2019, I think it was, for Camden Rams. Really? So it's yeah. only it's only recent. Yeah, she hasn't. Wow, played for long at all. She, How did yeah. she get into that? Like, what, 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 like you know, drove her to go into that up, up from wherever she was coming from? Well, they're a, her family are a big footy family. Like, um, uh, Abby's dad's got a business, Direct Steel Traders. I've been trying to get him to sponsor me for years, but, he's, <laughs> but he, he's not really into car racing. He helps me out a bit, um, yeah. which is good. But yeah, they're massive footy people. Like, they're big South Sydney fans. Yeah. Um, so she's always been really, really sporty. I think her dad played, and her, obviously her brother played, and um, she played. I was taking all that from a from a kid, and then yeah, it wasn't till twenty nineteen that she started um, playing yeah tackle footy at Camden. Yeah, and then that's where she got picked up to play that sort of New South Wales Cup, so to speak, for Bulldogs, mm-hmm. and then she got selected from there to play for Parramatta in the NRLW. Yeah. So it sort of went twenty nineteen. 2020, they didn't do much. Then last year and this year, like bang, 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 yeah. it all sort of happened pretty quick for her. Yeah, and you and were at you were at the grand final, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, oh, we, I went to an NRL grand final years ago, but um, yeah, that was that was cool. And for the girls, like they, 
they were on two or three hours before the men, mm. but there was still about there was still fifty thousand people there for yeah. the for the women's grand final. It was final. big. We said mm. that when we came in, we were like, "This is this is awesome to see." Yeah, I think they said it's one of the biggest crowds, but yeah, there was a lot of people there. No, yeah. it's the men's game, but the women's game <laughs> was actually better to watch. It was, <laughs> it yes, was, it was good. Like, and and for them, it was great. Like for the atmosphere and and how they brought on all the like introduced all the players and the teams and it was literally what they do for the men. So obviously building the NRLW, like it was a good way to do it and to have it on that, you know, because mm. I don't even think they've done an NRLW grand final on the men's grand final day. I think that was the first time. Yeah, because it obviously started around COVID. So that would have yeah. been the whole time it was actually introduced altogether. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So that, that was that was cool for them. And we was, we, like where I was sitting was sort of in the, Parramatta supporter area so yeah. it was a bit doom and gloom at the end of the night <laughs> but the vibe like was like it was it was cool like I sort of sat with Abby's family and, and obviously other girl players families and yeah. friends and stuff and then obviously all the the girl team come and sat out with us when the boys were on so for even mm-hmm. all the girls to sit in watching the men's grand final because and because it was para in the girls para in the men's like it was actually a cool yeah. cool thing to be a part of like we went to the Oh, I went to the Parramatta after party after it. Obviously, it was a little bit doom and gloom. Yeah. <laughs> but just to see how they sort of have built that whole uh, getting the, the girls involved, like the uh, everything was even the signs and all the, everything they had at the after party wasn't just about the men's. It was just literally half girls, boys. They were sort of – they mix it in pretty well. Like Yeah. And it was cool to see – yeah, just everyone mingling together, and and obviously for the para club, it was a pretty 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 cool day, even though they both lost. But yeah. to be a part of that whole where we sat, where we went to the after party, just to be a part of that whole thing was actually you know pretty cool. And then like just even hanging out with all the like Moses and all them guys after the game was pretty cool. As yeah. I said, even though they were a bit doom and gloom, it was actually cool <laughs> to just you know even Brad Arthur come up to Abby and told her how good she went. You know, yeah, through, right. throughout the year, and because she injured herself the first or second game, and actually struggled to get back in the side for a few games, and that's how it's obviously pretty cutthroat. Yeah, and then she played the last two games. I think she scored a try in the semi, and 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 proved herself in the end. So mm. it was it was good to see. Yeah, and we were saying um, off air, obviously coming to the studio that. We met each other through the UKS thing. Yeah. So you would have seen, going back to the women's in rugby league, you've seen a lot of girls obviously start karting as well, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like that. How Do you reckon that could actually happen in our like realm of motorsport? We might have a... Like, do you reckon, they could, do you reckon there's a better way to introduce, I don't know, and obviously it's a money game in our sport because yeah. you literally fight for sponsors to get in the supercar grid. But yeah. do you reckon there's some sort of way that they could do that, even in go-kart level or something like that? Like, yeah. What's your like- hot take on that? Yeah, it's it was actually even when I was working at Ultimate Karting, it was surprising how many young, you know, girl drivers wanted to come through and and race. Like we used to, they used to do a, um, a Wednesday night kids race night, and mm. there was heap of girls come through to to do it. So mm. I think that I guess there has to be a way, like because there's so many big companies out there that I guess support the whole women in sport thing. Like you look at Harvey Norman, like mm. they really. They they pumped the whole girls thing. Yeah, obviously when a few years ago. Yeah. yeah, and they're obviously the major sponsor of the NRLW, and so I, I don't I don't know exactly how you could how you could do it, but mm. I feel like even talking to um, a couple of my sponsors have said, uh, I know back back to the footy a little mm. a little bit. Um, 
have wanted to get involved with Abby because I think the women in sport thing is growing. They're getting publicity um, and, you know, Abby's, you know, pretty yeah. pretty good to look at. So yeah. she's, <laughs> um, I, I feel like she could do a lot with – and she's not like that. Like she wouldn't really know how to, I yeah. guess, chase the – so do you help her with that though? Like, do you help her in front of the camera in a way? Because she looks shy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, bit of a resting bitch face, I'd actually call her. <laughs> and she she actually agrees with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's not like like she just wants to play footy and and you know stay fit and 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 all that. But I've sort of said to her like, you're on a you're you're hot property in a way at the moment. I think to actually make a bit of extra money, like get mm. you know because she's so, halfback, isn't she? She halfback? Oh uh, no, no center, center okay. and wing. She did. Yeah. I think she did a little bit in the halves back early days, but like for Parramatta, it was it's it's been mainly center. Trains a fair bit. Oh, she does the New South Wales Cup stuff with St Marys at fullback and Bulldogs yeah. at fullback. Okay, but yeah, center and sometimes wing for Para. But yeah, yeah I've I'd um I'm sort of here. I guess spending the money to go racing. I'm like, you could be making more. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Especially with all like the brand partnerships on social media, yeah. all of that. I came from like marketing in that area, and I was like, the, well, I used to do. I used to go after athletes for the different brands that we yeah. were working with because they're perfect for it. You know, it's a, it, it's kind of like you're at, you've got your actresses, you've got your singers, this and that. But the sports people have just, you know, they're everything a brand wants. You know, yeah. you're promoting health, and you know, out there and get like a good. To fit, like mentor to young children. So, yeah. yeah, she needs to go out there and start looking yeah. for that, you know, build a following and they'll be chasing her, knocking yeah. down a door. And the money that they'll pay for a post, I know small brands will pay five to 10000 a post. Yeah. Like we're talking, it's ridiculous. But, yeah. hey, if you're going to get paid, do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like you think of protein shakes and health foods and mm. footy boots or shoes or, you know, mm. sportswear, all that sort of stuff that's massive on social media. And for someone to – that's in the top level of NRLW. Yeah. Um, and Abby's obviously very fit. Like she, oh, I think, I think she could do well with it, but yeah, she's not really, she's got a manager now um, hmm. that. So you both got managers. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. You, you can, you can explain yours after you explain yeah, hers. I will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she, I think he sort of more chases the contract stuff and who she's going to play for and, and whatever. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see her get, you know, be, ambassador for whatever like different companies and stuff i reckon she could she could do she could do well out of it make make some extra money for both of us (laughs) (laughs) so you gotta you gotta tell us and the audience listening like you know how you grew up a bit a bit of a bit of a background on yourself so what's what's the cameron crick that people might not know about when he was younger yeah so like i actually didn't start go-karting really young like probably everyone that i race against Mm. um uh, my brother and myself were actually right into BMX racing as kids. Mm. Uh, I think we both raced BMX from like six or seven to probably twelve. Um, both played a lot of footy as like I was like, I was I'm and I still love rugby league. Like I'm a big manly fan. Mm. Um, oh, well, you're down this way. It's perfect. Don't, don't take a swing. <laughs> um, yeah, well, exactly. Actually, yeah. yeah. Um, my team doesn't even exist. See. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like we're we're our family are big manly fans. Like I, I played footy for Camden all the way till I was sixteen or seventeen. So yeah. and raced a bit of BMX before that. And even when uh you know, even when dad was around, like we actually he was obviously very successful in motorsport and, and that's a lot of what a lot of people knew him for mm. and we still went to 
Um, like we still went to Bathurst every year and stuff like that, spectating. And he obviously knew a lot of people there. But at the time, like I was, you know, even when I was, um, you know, 10, 11, 12, like I didn't have, I'd, I'd love to have done it, but we it never really yeah. sort of come up. Like, I don't know, we we're just playing footy. Like we, that's that, that's sort of what we did growing up. Like we, dad ran the water for our team and, and helped on the barbecue, like for when the teams after us played, like we we're actually a big footy family growing up. Mm. And it wasn't till uh, it was probably more my my mum's dad pop um, Robbie Russell. He actually raced trucks back in the day as well. Yeah. Oh, so it's, there's more than just your dad that raced trucks. Yeah. So yeah, my, I didn't know that. I just thought it was your dad just wanted to get into it. Yeah. No. Nah, it was funny. Well, my for a few years, my my dad's main rival or competitor in truck racing was my pop. Yeah. So right. Mum was sort of in the awkward, like she was. Mm. Um, marrying my dad, and then yeah. her dad's there racing against him at, at um, and they're actually they're they're really good mates off the track actually. Um, but yeah, so obviously mum's side, you know, with with my pop, well, I call him my my mum's side, which is Rob. I call him Pop. Yeah, and then my dad's dad, I call him Pa. So yeah. that's how we sort of. So so yeah, like, and Pop sort of got Jared into go karting when he my brother and my first was he first was he yeah okay. And mine, like, actually, Jared was really, like, he was probably better straight out of the box than probably what I was, like, in, yeah. in a go-kart. Like, he's always had, even on the even on BMX, like, he, I, I feel like he was probably all, always a bit more naturally talented. Like, he just, he, he was really good racing BMX. I was a bit unco and I sort of come good. Yeah. Maybe. That's all right. Don't but, feel that. But I was like that too, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and mine, you, I... I I smoke him now every time yeah. I get in the go kart because I'm doing it all the time. But yeah. I think back then, um, yeah, like he, he, it would have been good to see what he, what he could have done. But um, did you and did you and your your siblings all go to the track a lot though? Or was it just occasional races? Because I, I, me with my stepfather, right? So I met him when I was around ten, eleven, and yep. and I was only going to the races as soon as my mum was comfy with me. So I was only drip drip fed to the racetrack, and then. It, you know, three years on, you were like, shit, yeah, I want to have a go. Yeah. Were you kind of similar or not really? Yeah. It's funny. Like even when like dad, like I, I only remember vaguely like when dad was racing really, like because of the prime, you know, I, I remember later in the Oren Park years because I think dad retired in like 05, I think, mm. and I was born in 97. So yeah. I don't I sort of, I, I do remember sitting on the hill. I, I actually probably more remember like oh. When did Oran Park close? 07 or 08? 08, 09, around that. Yeah, I yeah. sort of remember probably a bit, even a bit more the 07, 08 going there with Dad to watch supercars because by then the truck sort of, you know, died off a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, I always wanted to do it um, and I loved it, but it was sort of, I don't know, it just never really come about because we were, we were so heavily involved with the Camden Rams, our footy club. As I said, Dad was involved and Jared and I were playing and it wasn't till – Jared started doing a bit of karting when he was, you know, 15 or 16 and I was probably 13. Yeah. Um, and it was probably, it was a bit of indoor, uh, indoor stuff Yeah, or over at Minto for a bit. And then once I sort of started to do it, you're just like, oh yeah, this is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a drug age. Yeah. As soon as you get in, you're like, fuck yeah. yeah. I've got to get, I've got to get amongst this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has your dad always been your like racing idol though? Yeah. I Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I think even. You know, obviously after he's obviously after he's passed oh. away and everything, you I always look at 
like we have a actually mum's not long sold our family home but downstairs there was a full um a big bar room set up like massive trophy cabinet and his helmets and all the frames of each year he done like won the truck championship i think like he'd done bathurst five or six times and you're always just like oh i want to i want to do that and keep i guess the the crick name going on mm-hmm. um so I, I would love to yeah to keep that going for sure i know we're actually fairly good family friends with mark weber's family it's more more so mark's dad alan i probably yeah I'd probably talk to him once a fortnight, sometimes once a week. So he, it was actually back in when Mark was getting his Motorsport Australia license or CAMS license back in the day. I think he was, uh, however young he was. He came from a footy background too, though, because he was the ball boy for the Raiders. For the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. And the stories I've heard. Um, you can tell some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've had some, yeah, really yeah. funny times with it. Like, I, I, I've, I've, I reckon I've slept in, I know it's not with him, yeah, but in yeah. Mark's bed in Queanbeyan because I always stay there when I'm down there. I reckon I've, the, the bed that he stayed in, slept in as a kid growing up, I reckon I've slept in that bed oh, 20 or 30 times. Wow, so you're that close to the Weber family though? Yeah. Because so, of your dad and, yeah, go on about that story though, yeah. Yeah, so when, um, from my understanding, mm. when Mark was getting his Motorsport Australia license, CAM license, whatever, or CAM's license back then, mm. he – Obviously went to Luffy's, which was at Oran Park. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, and Ian Luff's driving school. Yeah, that was definitely yeah. at Oran Park. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Mark. Well, my well, Dad was a driver trainer there at the time, so he got matched up with with Mark. Yeah. And so he had to he had to tick him off basically to. Oh, so to, he was the one signing him off on his license. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. How yeah. that? And that's how <laughs> that's sort of how it all started. And I remember Dad and Alan always used to have this joke that Mark sort of said to. The, one of the first words to dad was, oh, yeah, I want to race Formula One. Yeah. And dad's like, oh, get in the car, mate. We've, we've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was like, oh, shit, actually, <laughs> this kid's half all right. Really? When he first yeah. got in the car, your dad actually rated him as a yeah. driver? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I remember some funny stories. But, yeah, we've been really, really close. Like, I, I would like, – I wouldn't. I obviously don't see Mark a lot, but I'd, I'd chat to him every now and again. Mm. Um but yeah, I talk Alan. Alan will ring me every couple of weeks just to see where, which I'm sure we'll talk about the whole sponsorship side of it that I do a lot of. He'll always ring and see where I'm at and yeah, um, how how I'm doing. And so he checks up on you during his, his supercar career now. Yeah, yeah. And he's also got because he's from um, Queanbeyan. He'll he'll kill me if I say Canberra. He's 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 <laughs> hardcore. I'm Queanbeyan. I'm still in New South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, when Mark was playing footy back in the day, he was Queanbeyan and. They were big competitors of Canberra team, so he's like, "No, no, I'm I'm Queanbeyan, not Canberra." <laughs> um, but obviously, he's become pretty close with Cam Hill yeah. from, from being down that way. And when I, um, Alan Weber has, yeah, yeah, okay. And they and Alan actually steered when I the the first the I think it was my second or whatever year it was. I went fairly well in the eighty sixes twenty eighteen. In the '86 series, I bought Cam Hill's car through Alan because Alan's like, "If you're going to do it again, let's do it properly. Let's get." Because by then, Cam sort of committed to go to his first year in Carrera Cup. Yeah, and I wanted to at least do the '86s once more to see you in know, better equipment, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To see where you're at. Yeah, and I'm sort of lucky. Lucky we did because yeah, we were sort of on the on the podium most rounds all year, and I think we finished. 
well, I could have still won the championship coming into last weekend. Timmy, mm. Timmy Brooks ended up winning, but I think I ended up third on for, in the points for the championship, but that was in Cam Hill's car. Yeah. But um, I was always talking to Alan on the phone anyway, and the more he sort of spoke to Cam Hill, he'd always, he, he still calls down past his workshop now. I think he talks to Tom Sargent a fair bit because he follows what he does. He still, he still oh, so loves it. So he's full willing to like yourself yeah. and Hill and Sargent yeah, all making yeah, yeah. waves in motorsport. Yeah. That's actually really yeah. interesting because obviously Mark's retired, but his yeah. dad's still got a love for it. Yeah, and he's right. He's right onto it. Like, um, I've seen him scrolling through like Natsoft and all that, and yeah, not that he's he's definitely not old, old, but he's he's obviously getting not getting a bit older, and he's still right onto it. Like, just remembers everything and times and what you. Every time we talk about a race weekend, he'd be go, "Oh, but what was the guy there in the middle sector?" I'm like, "How do you know?" <laughs> he's going through the times. Um, yeah. Yeah, so luckily that he sort of steered me in that direction. And for a, a for a time there, I was like, oh, I just, I don't know. Like a lot of people wanted Cam Hill's car. Yeah. Everyone thought it was the car to have. It was a great car, but Cam also done Just it, drove it well. Drove it very well. Yeah. And luckily Al, Al was involved because otherwise I don't reckon we would have got our hands on it and for the right price. And then basically since then, I've we've all been really close. Like my family, Cam... And Cam Hill's family. Cam Hill's it? family. Yep. Sort of all thanks to Al Al Weber, really. So mm. um so yeah, that's what do you, that story. What do you think of um his like Formula Ford team and how he's still like technically young, right? Like yourself and whatnot, but he's legit teaching younger kids in Formula Ford. It's pretty impressive. Brooks even said herself, because yeah. he's coming on the pod later on, yeah, of how he's actually managing, like yourself, like five things at once. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Nah, we we can relate in a lot of um, a lot of like we chat a lot because he 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 works really hard um, on the team's perspective. Like really smart guy. Him and Colin, you know, he, Colin's a bloody nutty professor. He taught me so much about the eighty sixes really and what they do and setup wise because he didn't prep the car all year for us, but he still was only a phone call away basically. Yep. Um, but how they work together and got the best out of Cameron obviously in because he won Formula Ford, yeah. won the most eighty six races, won Carrera Cup. Yeah. Like really impressive team. They've pretty yeah. much done it as a privateer the whole way yeah. through. It's yeah. pretty incredible. And their workshop, just this little workshop in Canberra, like it's a mess. You wouldn't yeah. think that they run a Carrera Cup car out of there and and well the they've won the Bathurst six hour as well with that M two that they mm. built. So and yeah, as I said, obviously like I'm I'm pretty well full steam ahead with the the sponsorship side of it and the connections and what I do where where Cam probably doesn't do as much of that, but yeah. logistically he's running that team with packing trucks and what kids drive and what car and coaching them. And um, we're always sort of on the phone bloody venting yeah. about how hard it is. <laughs> <laughs> but surely he's going to get – surely you'd give him some advice back – back on like how to get extra sponsorship for now obviously he's in supercars next year right yeah so surely what you've learned you'd still transition between both of you yeah. when you see each other at the track yeah yeah now we we I, I think we actually work well when it comes to that because we you know like I feel like I can drive a car half decent but I wouldn't um I wouldn't have known anything about them or how to set them up if I didn't start to work with with cam and Cole mm. and because they're so into that engineering side of it um father son thing that they do cam's definitely not probably anywhere near as hands-on of of sponsorship stuff that i am so we definitely mm. chat about um you know he's even saying now he's obviously doing the um the 
main game seat with Matt Stone. He goes, well, you're the you're the sponsorship guru. Come be my co-driver next year. Find some money. Let's go. That would actually be <laughs> fucking wicked, by yeah. the way. Yeah, I'd love to do that. That would be the that would be yeah. That would so, be ideal. So you were saying, obviously, Cam's dad's the nutty professor, and we were talking off off air about your dad. Um, was there any advice that he gave you as a kid, though, if you if you wanted to get into car racing or anything? Did he ever give you any hints or hit you and your brother? Do you know what I mean? Because you and your brother, away from what you do seriously, actually smash it in the four-stroke karting. Like, yeah. like every year, it's like this same post that comes up Hello. on Instagram. And I'm like, we, holy fuck, you guys are like unbeaten. Again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was a repost. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. It was very similar. Yeah. It was, a few people said that. Um, nah, like I... I and probably, which we'll probably chat a bit more of, I guess a hard thing is for me, it has been a little bit because I was four, 15 when dad passed away, you start to forget some things. And all I remember is it was sort of, he was very, very relaxed as to whatever we, whatever we wanted to do. Obviously there's a lot of, mm. a lot of dads out there that are so, so hands on with whatever their kid's sport is, you know, footy or go-karting or whatever. And there's a lot of intensity around it, but uh, yeah, I just even yeah with footy with um, starting to get into the go karts the BMX. I remember he used to get a bit frust- frustrated with us back in the BMX days, like because mm. we didn't were so like I was doing BMX when I was like seven or eight. I didn't know what how competitive or what to do or whether like some some races I'd go really well and then some I'd just like pedal around and sort of look around. Then I remember him on the on the edge of the track going, what are you doing? Go. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm just riding a bike. <laughs> um, so you take it more serious than you and your brother. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And he, I remember how he used to get very frustrated with my brother, Jared, because he was just naturally really good at, on a bike. BMX, and then, and he could have, he could have probably done anything on the BMX bike, but half the time, like he'd just, cruise around and yeah. I and me old man used to pull his hair out because he knew how good he could be. Yeah. Um and and Jared's probably still a bit like that now actually with it, with everything just <laughs> cruisy, you know, go goes yeah. goes through the motions, works hard, but what's he do for work? Uh he's a he's a carpenter builder. So yeah. he's sort of got his own his own gig now. Um he also does some night shifts for one of my sponsors on the Lucci Civil has got some excavators and stuff on like railway jobs and stuff like that. And he does like labor and stuff of a night time mm. with them. And then during the day he's doing his building stuff and like building decks and extensions yeah. on houses. And he's, um, he's pretty clearly with all that. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> I don't, and, I don't even think I've ever picked up a hammer. And, and <laughs> you just know a steering wheel. Yeah. yeah that's go, about going it. to that, you, you work for driving solution. Is that your main, is that like your hub work? Cause you're technically contract, like a contractor. Yeah. What you do. You've actually got to explain it. Cause you were saying to Brooke and myself off, off on the phone that technically you're getting sponsors and racing a supercar is your job, but at the same time, you've got to fund that to, I don't know, you've got to explain it yourself really. Yeah, it is a, it is a, it is a hard one. I even sit there sometimes and go, what, what is it that I'm actually doing? Like <laughs> it's, it's out of control, but yeah. So like I do, um, I guess I work for driving solutions as a driver training instructor. So whether it's um, advanced driver courses or um, tomorrow night's a skid and slide night. So there might be 12 cars there that want to learn how to sort of slide their car, drift around, um, so I'll help them with that. But a lot of track days these days, really, like, you know, obviously you've been mm. to plenty of them. Um, more the road car groups of the track days, like basically sitting, stupidly enough, I'm riding shotgun with 
yeah. in, in some expensive cars and I've got no idea who these who these guys are and how they can drive. So it's a bit risky. But um, yeah. for us, well, for me, like it's been good because you, you, uh, you're always at a track, you're always in a car, whether you're in the passenger seat or not, you, you know, you jump in and drive them around or you're meeting people and you, you're, you're always, I guess, there doing it basically. So I, I probably was doing – well, during COVID, I was actually I was driving a I was driving a tipper truck for Lucci Civil, who who's actually now a sponsor ever since I was working for him in COVID. Yeah, right. So I was driving a truck for pretty well a couple of years. Um, on so you weren't technically in lockdown. You're always driving, doing something out yeah, the road. Yeah, yeah. That's a smart way. To yeah, do there was it. no way I was going to be sitting at home. Sitting at home. <laughs> um, so and that's another that's another cool story. So like I'm um, I met Dom through a mate of mine. Dave, who I, well, a guy I race carts with, it's his brother-in-law. Met him through karting, and he obviously needed workers during COVID. And um, the first day I went to, I had my truck license, but not Road Ranger, and I yeah. didn't even really know what Road Ranger was. And I went out to his yard and got in, and I just thought it was a manual, and yeah. every gear was, I'm just not going in properly. And and he goes, "Have you driven a Road Ranger?" And I'm like, "No." I don't even know what that is. So you gotta- yeah. <laughs> well, you got a double clutch and it's yeah, all. Right. You can't put it into gear unless you've got the right road speed to the. S- sounds like driving a Formula V. Probably. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so you got um, a double clutch and is it those? Is it those gears within gears trucks? Is that what you? Yeah, it's got like split gears, top and bottom box. Like it's it's yeah. It, now, to me, it's nothing, but it was yeah. very confusing for a while. But did he come in expecting you'd know how to drive trucks because yeah. you're old man? Is that in the way? that, probably. And I had my truck license. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll come and drive for you, no problem. You just have to teach me how to tip the load up and all that. Yeah. But that stuff was easy. It was actually getting used to, yeah, you know. Like in a manual, you could put the clutch in and no matter how fast you go and you pull it, pull a gear, it'll still go in that gear. Yeah. And if you let the clutch out, it'll compression lock or if it's a high gear, it'll just, you know, yeah. keep trucking along. But Road Ranger, you put the clutch in and it actually won't go in a – whatever gear unless yeah. the road speed matches how many revs you got holy shit so you're doing like all five the, things at once yeah all the every i get all the truck drivers out there would know what i'm what yeah. i'm talking about it took me <laughs> it took me a while but i was doing i was working for him for a couple of years basically driving um thinking that oh how's this racing thing going to kick start again thinking that i'd lose all the sponsors and probably a lot of people's thoughts during covid like how's mm-hmm. it all going to work when we go racing again but because I was driving for Dom, um, working for him, I sort of met another pool of people through the whole construction world because I was, mm. you know, in that scene for a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's been he's been sponsoring me ever since. So yeah, um, right. since been, his supercar days or Toyota days, uh, or like you, yeah, uh, yeah, Toyota. So twenty nineteen or twenty. Yeah. He he was on board. That's when I was sort of working for him, and he's 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 been on ever since. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Another, so people cool have had a lot of like assumptions on you as a driver because they just think Cameron Creek's going to get in there via his dad's legacy and all that. But there's more to that story, isn't there, though? Because you were saying, you know, in, in past talks with us that, you know, there's more to yourself than that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, just, they just think Cameron Creek literally got on the supercar grid because your name's Crick. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Where I've had similar situations because of my stepdad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Brooke could point that out. Yeah, like, I guess you've had it because – People don't a lot of people don't might not know who are listening that Dan's comes from a split family and so um, his parents um, separated when Dan was eleven and yeah. so his mum remarried to Jeff Morgan who a lot of people would know in the racing scene and so I think people just assumed because 
Dan's dad, um, who, you know, awesome guy and everything, but um, they don't come from money like a lot of us. Like my parents don't come from money for racing like a lot of us. Um, but Jeff, um, he'd made, he'd done really well for himself, made his own business, you know, a successful entrepreneur. And he was out there racing as a lot of people have seen him out there in the Porsche. Um, and they assumed every time Dan gets on track, even now, even with the podcast, I'll say they just assume it's being bankrolled. And that's not the way because Dan comes from a family of a big family of four other siblings and you need to look after everyone and there's no like just favoritism, things like that. And, you know, Jeff, which, you know, I'm close with their parents as well. Everything's you work for it. You have to go and find your own money. You have to go and find your own waste. That's what we do with the show with racing. It's on sponsorship, but sometimes it can be hard when people have these assumptions. So have you found Cam the same thing or similar thing in your circumstance where people are just assuming it, which is sometimes made it that like, you know, hurdle that you have to get over? Yeah, really good point. Um, obviously, look, it's helped in a lot of, like a lot of people know of, I guess, me because of dad and our family because of everything he'd done in racing. But it, it wasn't really like when he was around that we were, he was getting us into it hardcore. As I said, like it was, he was very cruisy as to mm. do what you want. And maybe he was doing that on purpose because he, was hoping that we wouldn't go down the motor racing route because it's just realizing it's so expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, like it's, it's been, well, I'll sort of go way back. So when, um, dad passed away, probably close to 10 years now, I, uh, ultimate karting, obviously where I met you, Mm. I started working there just as a casual. Then they wanted me there because Garth and Christian who used to own it are actually like second cousins of my dad. Wow. Long, yeah. yeah, right, okay. There's all, yeah. <laughs> There's just connections everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> oh, no, it's really They're great close. dudes, by the way. Yeah, good guys. <laughs> and they've actually sold that. The guys near now still sponsor me, but Garth... Um, Garth. Yeah, what does one do and what does the other do now? Well, Garth works at... MRE. Um, MRE. Yeah. And he's got Lincoln on board to sponsor me. And then um, Christian does uh, like electric bikes and scooters, bowls and, and MacArthur e-bikes, his business is called. Yeah, right. Um, what convinced them to sell that, by the way? Because they were on such a charge in a way. Like they were so. Did they just think, oh, I've just had enough of it because they've burnt themselves out? In I a think way? so. Yeah. I think so. And Garth left before uh, Christian ended up selling it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think he was just sort of like it was obviously a big, big joint to run. And I think he was probably just a bit over it. Um, yeah. But back to yourself with the. Were you like. Does people, does it feel like sometimes because you run, you're wearing and tearing yourself out with the supercar scene, does it feel like they're just wanting to know you because of your dad's last name type of thing? Or like with me, sometimes people will come up to me and be like, oh yeah, is Jeff around? And I'm like, no, I'm just here at the track by my own. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you have those people that come and come and go in your life? Yeah. You've you've definitely got to be, and a lot of, I guess a lot of people close to me sometimes even tell me like, just don't get, don't get too close to everyone because, you know, there's no doubt people around that want to just, I guess, be involved with what I'm doing because I'm mm-hmm. the racing driver or because of Rodney or, and it's cool what we do. Obviously people want to, you know, get involved and be on board. But as as I was saying, like back when I started working at Ultimate Karting, then I ended up, I actually left school to, and went to work there full time. Yeah, right. How old were you then? 16, uh, 17. Then. Yeah, yeah, six, yeah, 16, 17. Yeah. Um, working there full time, started to do a business sort of management course, which sort of all fizzled because the go kart track was just too busy, and you just end up. I ended up sort of just running the place for 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 a fair while, and 
that's when Garth and Chris, that's when the 86 series was starting, which was 16 or 17 or whenever it was. Yep. And they actually built the first car. And by then I was doing, um, because that's when you started karting, actually, then, didn't you? Yeah, a bit before that, I was doing karting. Did a little bit of two-stroke stuff, but a lot of the go-karting was was with my brother and the um, the guys from Proaxel. Um, yeah. So Brian and his son, Geordie, we've, that's who I still race with. Mm. And then, obviously, Garth and Christian um, obviously knew I was doing that and, and was sort of family, obviously, and wanted to get um, an 86 built. So we started doing that. Yep. Um, and from there, it sort of just it got – yeah, bigger and bigger with what um, what I was doing and more people coming on board, a lot of local support um, because of, yeah, don't get me wrong, because I'm, I guess, Rodney's son, you get people wanting to come on board, but it's not like we, we never put any any money to, into it as a family because it just, you know, like mum lives with my sister and she still works four or five days a week. She... Mm. She bought Jared and I go kart and helps out with accommodation and and is always there to support me. Don't get me wrong, but from a financial point of view, it wasn't. We we didn't keep. I didn't keep racing because the Cricks have heaps of money and yeah, he's going to keep racing. Yeah, which some people might may assume. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. From the outside point of view. Yeah, and I probably haven't. Re- I guess stopped to think about that. Um, to to be honest, I guess as as it went on as well, and then that's couple of years after that is when I ended up doing the 86 stuff with Hills and yeah. that opened another network of people and started getting good results and more sponsors and and yeah like I think I think it's easy for people to presume that I guess it's easy that you know you've got a I guess a rock star lifestyle because I'm I'm you're you're working at Eastern Creek then you're away driving the supercar or you're testing the supercar or I raced the production cars with the with Dean Campbell from Bathurst he gets me to drive with him yeah I've seen so, that yeah, been doing a bit of that. Then obviously the go karts with with the pro axle guys are still eight weekends a year. So yeah. it's obviously from the outside looks like I'm killing it. Which it, it look I I'm I'm happy with where it, how it's all progressing and it is it is cool what I what we get to do. But the work that I that that I guess I do um, is is. And and I'll probably make it harder than it needs to be sometimes because I want to just give everyone as all the sponsors. I want to try and do as much as I can for them and introduce them to people and ride days and social yeah. media and all that con. Everything I've I've sort of done by myself really for a fair while. Like you know all the meetings and proposals. Like a mate a mate of mine was helping me with all my proposals and stuff for a while. Mm. But yeah, it's just it's it's you were you were saying though that you were burning yourself out because like even though you might have little sponsors on your shirt and the bigger ones, you know what I mean? Like the, the Avit group, you know what I mean? Like yep. on the side, but you know, your, your little ones wanting this and you're trying to treat them all equally, even though you don't, you know what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you don't want to be unfair, which I think what you said to me is before is it was getting really hard for you. It's like at this, like at the middle part of the season. I think something I've, I guess, realized or learned recently is every, every sponsor wants something different. Um, some of them might just want to be involved to meet a couple of, you know, I've got Pizza Hut and Lenovo on board this year where a couple of small businesses want to get on board just to, I guess, be in front of the bigger companies like that. Some mm. really want the branding, some doing it as a bit of a tax deduction. Some want, you know, pure social media content through, through motorsport. Um, you know, like for example, Lenovo want us to do behind the scenes content with their laptops and virtual reality headsets and 
you know, like Lenovo computers, Powers, yeah. Eggleston Motorsport, do videos like that. But the the ideas and the and the hours behind the scenes of creating those ideas and content and then putting it into a proposal and Lenovo is a big company. It goes through a lot of people. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot of a lot of it wasn't until this year really that I was just trying to do everything the same thing for every sponsor, whether it was a big sponsor or a little sponsor, do same amount of social media posts, tag them in every single post I do, at least give them, give, offer them similar amounts of tickets to all their clients. And, you know, then you meet them at the gate and you walk them in and you, and you just, you, you're only one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's I've probably taken, taken me a bit to realize that you just like it, it's, and then you think of super two, only six rounds a year. Yeah. Um, it's just like, oh, this is, crazy and and i've probably never really had that one big partner that is on the quarters the side and the bonnet that can at least tick two-thirds or most of the budget off like i've had a lot of smaller to medium sponsors that get me there which is great but Mm. as i said like i want to give all them the similar amounts and and yeah and because that's the way you're brought up you know what i mean like yeah you know, your, your family's obviously a hardworking family, so you want to please everyone equally the same. Well, I see that. I see that coming from this point of view. If yeah. I could get that amount of sponsors on this podcast, I'd be cheering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what have you you've, uh, you said? Have you done um, – was it business studies? No. Obviously, when I was at Ultimate Karting there, I started to do that business course, but it was very – like, it wasn't for long. Like, I wouldn't even really remember what – even what I did. Like, it was online, which was probably a bad thing for me because I'm – I got – I got yeah. ADHD. I can't sit there and do an online course. I was just like, this is never going to work. So what? I sort of said to the guys back then, I either do it, go to TAFE or you know whatever it would be, and yeah. do it, or because this online thing was not working. Um, but as I said, then I just started to run the karting track there. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I guess nah. I, I honestly, I've just from what I've learned from eighty sixes to now mm-hmm. with how many. Um, I'd like to think I'm still fairly young. I think I've probably sat in front of so many big business owners and CEOs and yeah. what I've just learned along the way, how to talk in front of people. And, and maybe because I haven't – and the sponsors I've had haven't all been in the in the one industry, so to speak. So you sort of learn a lot about different industries and how they operate, like the Avic audio visual, like what they did at my ride day the other day. They had cameras in the car and – they have, they're running a live feed and they had a lot of tech partners there. And oh, so on the on the ride day, you would have seen how they were all promoting themselves throughout the ride day. Yeah. Obviously, you're busy in the car, but you saw when you got out and had a bit of a yeah. break. And then obviously, it's good to see, like I think, and because we haven't, obviously events and stuff have been going back a little bit now, but during the COVID thing, it wasn't, like I haven't done a proper track day um, that I've run myself till the other day for a fair while. So to see a lot of people there and businesses starting to work together again, I guess, through motorsport mm. was, and I guess for me to sort of say, I put that day on and created those businesses to start to work together. So Avit were there with the audio visual side, promoting that they brought suppliers, customers, but then also VSP, mm. um, the, the on, on, on this table too, on isn't the table. It? There we go. <laughs> See? Yeah. I'll, I'll employ you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Avid are now so they don't do a lot of security camera jobs, but they do they do some. So now they're using VSP for all their security cameras and um, just getting them to to work together. Like it's been it's it's something that I once again I just thought everyone wanted 
logos on the car, as many social media taggings, tickets to the events. But the way I sort of explain that is that's that's the fluff. That's the that's great. That's a nicety for a business. Mm. Um, tickets, branding, your logos are on the shirts. When I look at the bottom line at the end of a year, if I'm say Lucci Civil, yeah, that fluff was great. Did I make that money back um, yeah. in sponsorship? And over the years, a lot of them would probably say, "Well, no, I haven't." So, how do how do you, how do you work the B two B on the on the back end? Um, and the reason Avit come come on board bigger and bigger, I I got them. I actually got obviously Sydney Motorsport Park now is under lights. Yeah. I got them the job to put all the speakers on them new light towers. So they were there for about six months. Um, yeah, right. So I sort of pushed pretty hard to get them in there. And they still do some stuff there now in the corporate suites and all that. Mm. But when the Avid group were there running all the conduit from light tower to light tower to put the speakers on the towers, yep. they then used Lucci Civil to dig all the trenching to run that conduit. So, um, you know, that stuff to a business like that in obviously a – I guess economy that's getting harder and harder is more beneficial than having their logo on the shirt. As I said, it's a nicety. It's good. It's maximize where you can, but that stuff I've now realized is, is, is more important. So, um, have your sponsors come through like, so the way you work with it, is it all through networking and the way the balls rolled or have you also had to do like cold calling and just, you know, outside the box things? Um, I, I never really found that, the cold calling work like you might jag the person on a good day or you might jag the right marketing person at the right place Mm. but for me it's been networking through not once again it's been it has helped to have the crick name yeah but it hasn't been i don't i don't use that to try and i really don't it's it's i i i guess try and pitch to people as the network of sponsors we have and who else you can meet and yeah, like a lot of the sponsors that I have now has been meeting that business through another business supplier or I might be at a at an event that I sort of speak at and, and a couple of people come up and want to get involved, but, but I'm only there on behalf of one of the other sponsors. And, and I sort of only, I try to only get a com- an extra company involved or someone else involved if it's the right fit. Like I don't, I don't, um, maybe because I know a fair bit about it now. Like if I was the sponsor and I guess mm. someone just rang up for sponsorship, I know what I'd say. I'd, I'd be like, oh, what do I get out of it? So I try and make sure my ducks are in a row with mm. the businesses we have and, and who's involved I, before I, I go on. I've got to ask though, from a supercar's point of view, because you don't get like cash reward or like purse like NASCAR, does the sponsors put in just to paying the car or do you get a bit of a salary as well to keep yourself living and eating and do you know what I mean? Lights, lights turning on and whatnot. Yeah. I wish. How does that, how does that? I wish <laughs> like in the, in the, um, another guys you probably know, obviously Craig Dantas has been a pretty successful guy over the years in utes and now commercial side of supercars. Yeah. Um, he's obviously taught me ways to try to, how to, you know, make a bit of money out of it as well. When I was doing 86s and utes, I, I, I was making a little bit out of it. Yep. Obviously, if you crash and all that, you, you, I guess your profit sort of straight straight out the window to pay for damages. Yeah. But I worked a few like motor groups and panel shops and all that into the deals, so you try and get a lot of your damage covered. So even now, it's looking like that I I feel like I can make money out of it somehow. Like whether mm. even if I'm not a paid supercar driver, 
Mm. How do I keep building this network of people up to? And it is it, it's nearly un, it's nearly unachievable with how expensive Super Two is to then think you can make an extra hundred grand a year or something out of it on top. Yeah, that's definitely not happening at the moment, which I'd like to down the track, mm. but. It's still, I guess, it's paying for itself, and and everyone seems happy. But I guess, I'll, I'll, I'll once I can keep adding more and more value. Like I want to get my, I guess, program to a point where businesses are saying, "Where do I sign for next year?" Like that was I that was this my next question. Yeah. yeah, that that is my goal. I guess to get the sponsors and the the partners involved to a point where they say. What, what spots on the car for next year? What do we got to do? Sign me up again, sort of thing. Yeah. Not not like you've sort of got to go to them and go, oh, it wasn't so much of a good year, but next year we're going to do this. And I don't like to to oversell and not not really deliver. I, that's what I'd like to get, I guess, the business side of it to a point where everyone, there's so many businesses and, you know, you, you're doing a couple of ride days a year and, you know, like even at Townsville this year, I think I had, maybe eight or nine sponsors there, but they're all in different corporate boxes. And, yeah. I'm, and a lot of them were local from Camden, Norellan, where I'm from. And I'm like, that can't happen again. So if I, I guess, bite the bullet and, and buy my own corporate box at least one round, yeah. not not make money out of it, but then I guess on sell the tickets to the sponsors that are going to go to that event anyway. Oh, so you put them all in the one. Put them all in the one place. Yeah. Um, just to work, just to, just to maximise even for them. Like, um meet people and talk about what you do and um who looks after that though when you're racing though because i've had aaron mcgill on and he said it was literally like it was like a shit fight just trying to organize that and that's what you were saying to me at other races like driving's the easiest part but this the sponsor shuffle sponsor shuffle and trying to keep them on next year is the most hardest part because you're trying to get a career to race in supercars do you know what i mean like it's like it's a constant battle and that was probably even midway through this year around Townsville time where I was sort of um, basically still doing it myself, really like the middleman of tickets, what time, you know, like Rachel Eggleston will give me a, a run sheet of what time people can do pit tours. And, and then you do your social media posts and, and you don't want to miss anyone tagging them and all, mm. all those things. It was just like, I, I, I can't keep, you know, in other categories when it's not as intense mm. and there's not as many sponsors around, you know, Utes 86s when I've done Trans Am there at Adelaide, bits and pieces, you always feel like, well, I know I could be top three, get a good result and still do all those things, mm. um, like logistically run the, run the business side of it. But Super 2 now because there's more more businesses, more people um, involved at, at a lot bigger price tag to mm. then focus on – um, driving the car in a category that is is very competitive. Competitive. Well. Everyone wants to get the supercars. Everyone wants a co-drive. Mm. To do everything at, I'd probably say eighty percent. You know, the sponsorship management, the driving, my fitness, your commitment to everything. Yeah, you're just doing everything not at a hundred percent. And once I sort of midway through this year, I'm just like, I, I. I I've got to, I've got to, I've got to try something different because this is not enjoyable at, mm. the, at the moment. Like it's just too, and because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And this is at Townsville, well. wasn't it? Yeah, around Townsville time. Yeah, yeah. And and because I had a lot of people going up there, mm. and not not by all means that anyone was, I guess, doing anything busting wrong. my balls or yeah. anything. You know, all the all the sponsors I have are pretty good and pretty understanding, but it's probably the pressure I put on myself to to deliver. And then, um, you know, you might get a P nine or a P ten and 
I guess on the big scheme of things, first year in Super 2, it's probably not too bad, but I'm not happy with that. Yeah, because you're competitive. You want to win. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, how do I how do I keep raising this sort of money and managing it the way I want to manage it and be fit and competitive and just focus on driving? It's just like I, I sort of – it's like I couldn't find a way. I was just like, how do I, how do, I do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but then the back half of this year, I've got a I've um her name's Louise. She runs a business called Pineapple Marketing and Promotions. Mm. Luckily, a few of my sponsors use her out where I live because she's like a she's a local business, so mm. we always can see each other. And um, so she's helping me with a lot of stuff. Mum is sort of more hands on now with the invoicing and and you know like I'd be sending follow up invoices on the mm. sitting on the runway ready to take off to a race meeting. Yeah. Uh, well, just, for the last race meeting, if it's going to the next yeah, one, correct. far out. And it's just like, uh, this is not, this is not. <laughs> and you're, at the same time, be. you're trying to focus on the track yeah, itself, yeah, like studying. Right. So you, you'd have like two, would you have a laptop two, with two? I've got, I've, got an, I've got a Townsville on board yeah. and then I'm looking at it while I'm typing in voices. <laughs> um, Holy shit. Yeah. It's, it, it's, and I, and you know, it's once again, probably haven't realized till recently that you just can't do it all yourself like you yeah. you know you feel like as i said through other categories and other race meetings you feel like you, you know you feel invincible that you can you can go up to a corporate box and talk in front of people and you can sit in the boardroom and pitch to someone and create their content for them and walk their mm. you know partners around the paddock and jump in the car and do the job and you just can't i, I believe in you know your career cups your super two your whatever it's just too yeah. You got to be. Um, you saying that actually makes you realize why my parents have said to Brooke, why I didn't go professional in a way. Because yeah, right. I have autism and ADHD and all sorts of shit. And I can't focus. I can't. I Brooke comes to my meetings and I'm literally like a like a zoned in lion or something. Yeah, she, he changes. But yeah, I think and also it's like you said, it does get, that's what we said. We're doing the show, then you're doing racing and that sometimes because there's only two of us and sorry, and there's like Nathan. Nathan Tapp who's helping us as well for video. But on the business side, you're trying to chase sponsorship, then you're trying to edit something, you're trying to check video, you're trying to, you know, do your socials, do this, do that between us both. So we've had to yeah. like drop and fall between who's picking yeah. up what. But yeah. it's like you see, one, like that's like one day we're like, oh, God, I'd love to be able to pay someone one day to help out with just editing, you know, take that yeah. on. But um, for you, with the things that you're learning, and like you said, you went through a tougher time this year and you learnt that to, to start to like get help to, you know, to trust somebody else that, you know, you're working with now for the other kids coming up and a lot of people find sponsorships hard. What's my, maybe like one or two things that you would like, you wish you'd known back when you started trying to do this? Yeah. I think a big one is try and put yourself in their, in their shoes. Like I think it's very, as in the sponsor's shoes, I think it's very easy to, um, to be like, oh, why don't they want to sponsor me? Or why haven't they, or why, why are they got their nose out of joint a little bit? But mm. I probably see it now, not that I'm a business owner or trying to claim like I'm know it, know everything, but now I've learned so much of that. I can sort of see how, and because, because I have, I guess so many partners, I can see how some sponsors get a bit, you know, a bit funny and might hold out on paying an invoice because, you know, that things haven't been done on time or they haven't met this person or things you initially spoke about in a meeting haven't quite happened and that was a, a prime point of me, I guess, running myself too thin. Mm. So always probably putting yourself in 
in their shoes as as to how they might be thinking or how how they see it as a business owner because as i said the 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 fluff in my opinion doesn't um it doesn't last forever like when you first lock in a sponsor the branding the tickets the social media stuff it's it's great as a start mm. but after a while they're going to look at the bottom line and go mm, i can't just keep paying because of the the niceties you know yeah so i guess putting your putting yourself in in their shoes and and probably when you when you know being open and honest and sitting down with everyone you have involved and really trying to find what they what they want out of it don't go full steam ahead and and say but i'll give you this i'll give you this branding you can these amount of tickets to this meeting or blah 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 Mm. because smart business people will sit there and go oh beautiful i'll 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 sort of i'll take all that i'll just sit tight for a bit i'll if you're going to do all that i'll take it and if if you don't deliver they're going to be you know have their nose out of joint a little bit but when you're there offering all those things, half of them, they half of those things you're offering, they mightn't even need. So really, really finding out what what mm. the the sponsor or the potential sponsor wants out of it, um, and tailoring it to suit. Because you just end up, you just go in full circle, and you might waste time on a lot of sponsors trying to deliver something that they're not really interested in. Yeah, you know. Do you just kind of stop and just continue on, and then wait till they get back to you, type of thing, and then. Like how are you? Are you obviously you got plans for next year? So would, that will be in motion now, wouldn't it? Essentially, because yeah. it's December and you've only got the one race in next week, right? Yeah. yeah. So that would be the way to play it for next year. Yeah, and that's probably this year's probably a little bit been a bit, um, you know, feel like you're tr- trying to tread water a bit because I committed to the start at the start of the year. I committed with probably only two thirds of the sponsors committed to what I knew that the year costs. Mm. And that's another thing that you you probably don't get the best out of yourself in the back of your head when you know the full year's not paid for, you know, there's not all the damage is paid for if you crash it and it's 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 Sandown would have been a bit of a worry, wasn't it? Because that was a big accident yeah. weekend. Yeah. Did that put you under stress though? Like fuck. That oh, was a big... it did it did initially. Um yeah. but uh, Ben and Rach have made the process not not obviously easy, but I'm really comfortable with how they do things and how they've helped me and um, adjust things to suit. Because after that, once they realised it was a suspension failure, they're just like, "No, nah, that's on us." So get it out of your head. You don't have to. You don't have to pay for it. Um, obviously, different story if I yeah. made a mistake and just trouted in or took someone out. Yeah, which is obviously the, in the agreement. Yeah, but they're very good with sticking to their word. And no, nope, that's on us. It was a because as soon as I hit the turn two curb, mm. um, the right front suspension failed. So as soon as it landed, uh, as I went to turn left, the wheel just sort of went yeah. out of my hand, and I went straight in. Yeah, and and as soon as like they sort of knew straight away that there was something must have been a bit skew if. So they were very very quick to say, "That's on us. Get yeah. it out of your head. The car's going." Obviously, we didn't get to finish practice, which made it a little bit hard. But mm. they're just like the car will be fixed for tomorrow. You'll be fine. Get it out of your head. Yeah. Away we go. So they've been good like that. Um, but yeah, as you say, starting to prepare for for next year, I'm trying to do it as early as I can. Where this year's sort of always all been a little bit last minute because obviously, remember last year, Bathurst was December, and mm. I was I was there in the Utes and eighty sixes, and I didn't even know that I was doing Super Two yet, and that was December. Yeah. So it was all very 
January, February to do Super Two this year. Yeah. Oh, so you were doing back to back last year at that that yeah. that huge festival. By yeah. the way, I liked I liked that, yeah, that, that was version good. of Bathurst. That full, was cool. Full week at Bathurst with how many there was like how many yeah, categories was, geez, was that was everything. That was ARG and supercar yeah. categories. Yeah, that was that was that was yeah, we done like you qualifying on like the Tuesday or something. <laughs> and I still I still had in my last eighty six race on the Sunday morning. <laughs> so you just it was constantly a race's changing. dream. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Brooke was like, Oh, is there gonna be more of that? And I was like, unfortunately no. Yeah, no. yeah I know we tuned in this week. I was like, Oh, it's less. <laughs> <laughs> got it got days. us excited last year. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't know at the time when no, you were doing both was, categories. By then I was I even I was, I don't even reckon I made the first call to Rachel until after Bathurst, because I would have remembered going down to at least see him in the pits, and I I don't remember doing that. Yeah, so it wasn't until after I finished that the the Bathurst week, mm. and then I start then I rang Rach. I actually remember I went back driving for Lucci after Bathurst leading up to Christmas, and I remember doing a lot of my phone calls and stuff driving along. I do remember actually ringing her for the first time as I was parked up on me on me on me lunch break in the truck. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, probably got the ball rolling pretty late, and they they helped out massively to make it work because Ben and Rachel, they've obviously done it a long time. They know logistically how, how much you got to do to prepare properly in terms of your testing and your, your the spots on the car and just do it all right. Mm. You could tell they were like, well, it's a bit late, but we'll, we'll try, we'll, we'll, we'll try and make it happen. And it has been a bit, you know, I have been probably playing catch up a bit all year with who's involved and who's doing what, but for next year, um, they've got the Scott Pye, uh, Mark Winterbottom, Team 18 cars. At oh, so they've both got the Team 18 cars. Yeah. yeah. So I think they take delivery of them mid-December from Team 18. So so basically, yeah, as of the last couple of days, I've, I've already started to get some designs done for next year. So I Do you know which car you'll be taking or you just don't know at the time? Don't know. I don't yeah. actually know yet. Uh, um, I could beat the sleuth on this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think the last couple of rounds – they both actually seem quite competitive at different points. Yeah. Um, and well, they're triple eight cars, so they're, they're Ben and Rach want to obviously get in early and get the cars and get some testing done. And um, but all all the all the cars that they have now, the VFs that we're in, they're triple eight cars. So so Ben and Rach are pretty up to speed with the whole triple eight thing. Yeah. Do they does triple eight give any data across when they or does those teams give any data across or do they or is it back from like bare bone like when you've looked over data from your car is it there from when it first raced on uh, the track when it was built or do you just have it from whenever Eccleston bought it and more, went- more nah more more Eggleston stuff so really like Will Brown Brody Kostecki's yeah okay um, like Adelaide Townsville Bathurst has mainly been Will and Brody looking at their stuff because they obviously had pretty good results with Eggleston over the last few, the last few years, a lot of Paul Dumbrell stuff, 20, 2017. I think yeah. he's actually in the car that I'm in now. But and there'd then, be, there'd be different. Is, is there different tires that have changed? Does that change the setup? Like how does supercars work? Cause most people watching supercars would just assume it's just the same cars going around the track. Do you know what I mean? But now with the super two compared to the supercars, the current ones before the next ones, there's more aero, which is what Cameron Hill was saying to me at Bathurst. Yep. And these ones have less aero. So how does it all work with the tyre changing, the setup? And I asked this on Wally Stories podcast, but I want to hear your take yeah, yeah. on like how to set up a good car. Well, well, if you could get yeah. like the perfect time, perfect lap, we'll put it Eastern Creek because you you always live, yeah, you pretty yeah, much yeah, live yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. What would be like the best way to set up a car? Do you know what I mean? Like so a good, yeah. like a good 
Plant set up. See, now these are the questions that I'm a bit out of my comfort zone. These, these, are, <laughs> these are Cameron Hill questions. Um, but I, what, I guess what I do know from the – I think the cars we're in now, obviously the 888 VFs, yep. running gear, a lot of that stuff is all the same to what we're getting next year, the ZB. Yeah. Um, but obviously the ZB's more aero, bigger wing, bigger splitter. Yeah. Um, do you take a bit of a fruit salad though? Because you've got a lot of those guys driving. That's kind of what I'll put it to you, to you. Do you know what I mean? Do you go oh, a bit of a bit of Dumbrell, a bit of Brody? Do you know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, that suits me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Do you try different driver setups when you even when you first turned up racing Super Two? Um, as in car setups or driving yeah, in style? Car, car setups. Oh, both actually. Yeah, I Winton Winton straight up was pretty much Will Brown's footage and data. Yeah. Because um, I think he he's pretty well been, I think, the quickest that Eggleston have had there over the years in the VFs. Mm. Um, not so much, not like as, like Paul Umbrell, Bush and Will, mm. um, not that they all drive massively different. As a, as a summary, I think they all drive a supercar pretty well. So it's more, it was more me getting out of that whole, um, obviously I've done 86s, Utes, a little bit of Trans Am, but a lot of, a lot of, I've obviously done a fair bit of production car stuff now too. A mm. lot of my driving style and cars I've raced has been, you know, brake boosters or ABS or, you know, the car moves around a lot. Mm. You know, the cars rotate early, get on the throttle early where, you know, trying to do that in a supercar just doesn't quite work with how much grip and aero and power they have. So it was more just, I think, for me straight away. Does the Trans Am suit more of your driving style than the supercar in a way or not? Like, well, I felt like, because when I jumped, I only done like... I'd love to drive one of them, by the way. Yeah, That's literally cool. my goal with this podcast. So <laughs> if anyone's drive, listening, yeah. I want to be a teammate with Cam in a Trans Am or something. <laughs> We're putting it out there. Yeah. Um, I found the Trans Am, not that I did a lot, like I've probably done 10 laps at Winton before I went to Adelaide at the start of 2020. Yeah. And I think I, think I qualified third, finished third at the end of the weekend. And I, I felt like... Th- they were a bit more of a more down the Ute eighty six style because they obviously there's a lot of grip the first or second lap in quali but generally that big bag tire the Trans Am moves around a lot the brakes aren't that good mm. on them so you don't you can't, are they like a NASCAR brake or something are they yeah yeah and I found they like the pedal goes fairly soft because they don't they don't have big brakes mm. so they get hot and you and you're not bombing it into a corner like you probably would with the supercar. I, I found like the Trans Am, you were probably breaking that little bit early, rotating the thing that little bit early because it moves around so much. Yeah. I just felt like it was really driving the 86 or something, but with a lot yeah, more power. Right. Like just how I, I was really comfortable with the car moving around. And the supercar's like alienated for you when you went and from the, the 86s and even the oh Super yeah. Ute, like, do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. Did you drive the current Super Ute or the diesel version? Both. Both, okay. Yeah. What did you yeah. like did you prefer the, the, the big V8 one? Yeah, or? the V8 one, yeah. yeah. And obviously, mate, they've done work to them with how low they are and a grippier tire. And, um, they, but they, 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 they move around a fair bit. And that's what I'm probably most comfortable, really comfortable in cars that move around a lot where, you know, the first test day at Winton, mm. hence why I was sort of looking at more Will and Brody stuff um, because it, just how much grip and power. And I know the VF... In Super 2, we're on hard tyres and we don't have as much aero. And I thought straight away, geez, these things have a lot of a lot of grip. Even when you put your foot on the brake, like it's just like the things on a tram track, how it stops. Yeah. Nothing that nothing similar to really that I've ever raced. And mm. then, you know, even like Will and Brody are like, well, 
wait until you drive a ZB or something with a soft tire, like how much more grip it's going to have. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing for me, just just – how do, how do you work your fitness training though around what what you've said in this whole podcast? Like you are literally like, as I said at the start of the podcast, hard to catch. Like where do you fit in your fitness after this? Will you go after this podcast straight to the gym or something? Like how does it work? Or yeah. will you do it at 4 a.m.? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's. I just I, – I sort of just train when I can. I've actually – I actually just do a lot of running because yep. I, I – it's just once you've got your joggers on or something, you just go. Like you don't have to think about it. You don't have to get to a gym and what are you going to yeah. – that's what are you going to do this week? I did or? the same thing. I did it today. I know exactly what you're thinking yeah. there. Some days it's just like, oh, everything else is just such a chore right now. And then when you run, you can just get your ass out yeah, there. Yeah, just go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've actually been trying to look at a lot on Strava now and look because I've, I've actually done not competitively, but I've ran three half marathons now and I do a lot of like a lot of 10K, a lot of 15K. I try and run probably 30, 40Ks a week. Yeah. Um. And I've been, I don't know, I just feel like that just gets the heart rate to a point and you're just sort of there for 45 an hour, however long. Um, some days I don't get to train because it's just it's just too much going on and you're still on the phone at 8 o'clock at night or whatever, you, whatever you're doing. So I just sort of train when I can, I guess. Mm. Um, but as I said, I'll always try and if the first two days of the week I'm, I haven't done any training, I'll just make, make an effort that Wednesday I'll make sure I do a 10 or a 15K run that I've done something decent. Um, so I just sort of yeah. do it when I can really. Yeah. Um, but I've ran this morning, ran yeah, ten Ks this morning. So I just got up early, done that, got a coffee and then I was back home by eight thirty, nine o'clock so I could start yeah. sending out emails and reading yeah. people and what's your favorite championship that, yeah, even though you're in supercars now, what's your favorite championship that you've run? Did you run the old Utes, like the Holden first Ford ones? Or I not? did once at Winton, actually. Okay. Um, in the Dave Cedars Championship winner, actually, I think it was. I'd done, I'd done the one Ute round. Yeah. Um, which was cool. Like they're 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 cool cars. Actually, one of my sponsors, um, Dorma, they yep. do air conditioning and everything. They actually just bought uh, an old Falcon v8 ute from back in the day so i actually drove it the other day to track day and i'm like far out these things were cool <laughs> um uh, so you kind of miss those old yeah, ute's. yeah yeah well you think of back when like them utes that used to be actually a, a crowd favorite wasn't it yeah, really? yeah. Like they were Ford. big yeah like big 30 fields. 40 cars yeah yeah it was like oh, bumper no. cars i used oh, to yeah. love it warren ruff was in it <laughs> far out denya yeah. far out back yeah. yeah they were back in the day yeah yeah that was they were cool yeah they were cool yeah yeah yeah, what category? I don't know. Like I, I, I probably would have to say the the year that I I done well. Well, ever since twenty eighteen in the eighty sixes, that was the year I ran third in the championship. I've I've jumped back in. Like I drove for TechWorks at Bathurst and yeah. done a few bits and pieces. But I'd probably say that that year is probably when I feel like I I I went up a bit of a notch in terms of what I learned. Um, sponsorship wise and my driving and my commitment to the whole thing and because the 86 series is such good bang for buck it goes to five good supercar rounds gets good time slots for such a affordable category that's how I really started to get businesses involved because it was affordable mm. so I probably would have to say that year in 2018 um, like the family traveled like I drew I drove the Sorry, my pop drove the truck to Townsville, but I drove it home with him. We both drove it to Adelaide. So, like, that was the year we sort of done it ourselves. Yeah. And, um, like, mum and 
and Abby and my sister Tani and Jared flew to pretty much every round, flew to Townsville. Mum done the cooking like at, um, for us all. Yeah. My good mate Steve was a mechanic. Like we sort of did it ourselves. That was probably the year I reckon that 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 was probably the best the best year or where I feel like it, it, it stepped up a notch in terms of everything that I was everything that I was doing. Yeah. As much as I had, like I loved doing the, like the year I'd done the, Super Utes that were V8s with Ryko, like Dontus was heavily involved with Ryko, met a lot of good companies there, had a lot of good results, good fun. Yeah. Um, How does his deal work? Because he gets drivers in and out. Maybe that car, does it, is it, is it, is it like a, a joint sponsor with someone else racing in the paddock or, or does he just, or does he just decide to? He's pretty put- good, like for a lot of young guys. Like I think that Ryko car is pretty well covered. Like if mm. you, like he just gets, um, I think obviously you, you might have to bring a little bit and cover yeah. your own damage or something, but I guess it's who he's who he's sort of close with at the time. Obviously, he's in with Cedars, so like Luke will probably recommend a couple of the young eighty six guys to Craig to say, look, if you're going to give someone a the drive in the Ryko car next round, give it to my young eighty six driver or whatever. That's sort of how I met Craig was through Cedars. Yeah, and that's how that whole Super thing started. Cam, put your mic a bit. Oh. Are you right? <laughs> oh, good. yeah, that's all good. Um, it gets comfy on the couch. It gets couch. comfy. It gets comfy on the couch. Though. It's nothing oh, wrong with that, by the way. Yeah, I'm relaxed. <laughs> that's what's there. That's what's there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So cedars and all that help certain drivers, I guess. Yeah, and because well, Craig Dantas has been involved with cedars for so long, and he's always been in the, on the Ute side of it. Mm. I think like Luke will obviously chat to Craig and and say, oh, I've got this young guy or I'm working with this young guy, can he? And also only until this year, Craig sort of stepped back, but it's probably best for him, you know, he's so busy at race meetings because of his supercar commitments and commitments and everything. So he can't really focus on the driving like like he should. So if he if he can get a budget together to fund one of the super utes and he, you know, takes a bit of a cutout, it makes a bit of money, but then obviously provides a seat for a young guy, Mm. It's sort of happy days, so I reckon he'll he'll probably keep doing keep yeah. doing that. Yeah. What was it um, like, by the way, driving your dad's race car at Wakefield Park? Yeah. Was that cool? Was that a cool experience? Yeah, it was. It was. It actually probably wasn't because that that was one of my I guess sponsor track days. So I had a heap of people around. I was doing a lot of sponsor rides in the Ute and the eighty six, and mm. um, in and out. I was jumping in some road cars doing some coaching and bits and pieces so when i jumped in and drove it at the time i probably didn't i guess take it in yeah because you're driving so many cars yeah i was just like and i come in pit lane and the guys that own it now and mum and stuff all they're ready for me to jump in and get photos and i'm like okay i'll jump in now and i'll go yeah and it was probably all a little bit rushed but then when i come in and you sort of stop and think about it it was like especially to have like you know mum and my brother and sister there and it was a it was a a pretty cool moment, I think. Um, do you have on, or do you have onboard footage of that though? Did you actually, or did you just drive it that week? No, nah, I don't day? think I do. I oh, don't think I do. Shit. I know, <laughs> but we are. I want to. I want to. There's a few guys now, I now know that have owned a couple of um, a couple of cars that Dad raced at Bathurst that were sort of teeing up that I'll drive at some stage and get some footage of it and yeah, um, which would be pretty cool. But yeah, that car that the Armorall car that I drove at Wakefield, it, it was actually. It had a few issues, and the guys probably could have really just put it in the in the truck. So it had a it had a few issues. Like I think the left rear hub was a bit loose, and it felt like it was yeah, right. walking a little bit. And so you kind of just stroll in the car around the track in yeah, a way because they said yeah, a few things not not yeah. right with it. 
Yeah, I still probably well, I probably pushed it more than I needed to, really. <laughs> but um, but no, it was it was cool. It was yeah. really cool. What do you? I, I haven't asked this in since season one because you brought this up outside. But if you were Supercar's boss for a day, and I've even done a blog on this on my website, what would you change? So for me, I would I would open the field a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like have some more wrecks or charters or how yep. would you how would you revolutionize Supercars into the next generation? If you were boss for like the day, if you could go in there and just change as much shit as you wanted and go, this could work for sponsors because you deal with like, you know, yeah. eight to 10 sponsors. Do you know what I mean? Like what, from coming from their point of view, what would you do to change supercars? This, uh, probably, I don't know if this is going to be a massive thing, but I would open up the Bathurst 1000 to all the um, Super 2 cars probably not Super 3 because they're a bit older but yeah. all the like you think Super 2 still VFs FG Falcon and the Nissan mm. I would I would I would let all them run in the in the 1000 with their own co-drivers or whatever as a you know yeah. whether they're privateer or something like that but get mm. have a heap more cars back in the, the Bathurst 1000 I would yeah try would, and get grids to 50 yeah yeah, would you change anything on the promotional side? Like, would you have? You, do you watch much NASCAR or anything? Would you change anything? Would you Americanize anything or not really? You know, that's probably that's probably something that I should I should do more of in terms of how to maximize my stuff with sponsors. Is look at a bit more NASCAR or IndyCar, but I don't really. I watch McLaughlin every now and again IndyCar, but I I don't actually really follow all that much car racing outside of supercars. I think it's because I'm driving one and I want to do supercars and. Um, you're in that scene so much. I don't, I don't really, I don't really watch a lot of other racing. Really, as I said, a bit of IndyCar stuff, F1 sometimes. Mm. From a commercial side of it, what would I do different? Promo girls, maybe? Is yeah. it? They're, they're, are they still allowed at the moment? Is that <laughs> no, what's, uh, monster, monster? Monster do actually monster do, do they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, because maybe I was thinking F one. Were they the one that F one yeah. got rid of it? Supercar. Oh well, I mean, shit. If you got monster as a sponsor, you'll be right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can yeah, br- you can bring them back. Promo girls in every every garage. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I reckon um, retro round back for Sandown. I know that I think Sandown's only going to have one more year, but obviously. Well, next year now. So I didn't know that, by the way. I think it is. Is that the I've, last year of Sandown? I think is that next what they're year doing? might be the last. Did you the let the cat out of the bag then? Yeah, maybe I have. <laughs> no, but I think they're. I think they're, um, maybe closing it down, are they? Or maybe yeah, they're, well, they're trying to dispute. Well, they're trying to actually open up Cooler Park down the road again, and they're trying. Yeah, I don't right. know what's happening there. Maybe Sandown's shutting and they're reopening Cooler Park up. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, I know. Dan's for, waiting really oh, patiently for that to happen. Yeah. I'm only doing select events next year, and yeah, legit, as soon as I saw Cooler Park for me, I was like, "Fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going." Yeah, like for you, he'll nostal- be the first entry there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nostalgia is the best. I yeah. totally agree with the retro round, but yeah, yeah, yeah I think the retro round for sure at Sandown. Um, Would you have the Super Two guys also do like the '90s, early 2000s, also competing in the Sandown 500 as well? Would that just be the Bathurst thing? Um, oh, I'd probably, I'd, for me, I'd probably just keep that as the Bathurst thing. Yeah, for for that side of it with the Super Two cars and stuff. But I, yeah, I reckon 100% retro round for Sandown. But but make but make it that every car and team has to do. And I know it's, it's obviously more costs and more design costs and signage costs, but I feel like at the weekends you'd, you'd actually make a fair bit of that money back with your merch. Like if you had um, retro round merchandise and mm. everyone jumps on that sort of stuff, you know, I reckon it, you'd have to make it every team 
has to do something with their uniform and their car design for retro round. Because you know yeah. how the last time I did it, not everyone done, yeah, not every car done a retro livery. Yeah. I'd sort of make it that you had to, you know. Yeah, I, I love. Have you been to America though and seen the NASCAR stuff? No. It's fucking insane, man. Like legit, really? I want to take Brooke over no, there. I'm jealous. I want to see it's, it. Yeah. So <laughs> over there, they've got which is what supercars could take in, which is what you were hinting on, is they've got like per driver per trailer, like the main like top yeah. top twenty guys really, and they've got like all their merch. It's like the Brocky, you know, you see it, Bathurst and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It looks sick, but they've got like it all decked out trailer. You know what I mean? And they'd switch it every round because you said with the retro yeah. thing, they could switch the merchandise around. Yeah. I mean, Dick Johnson did that with his thing, but do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. There's a way that I reckon supercars could play yeah. that type of retro thing for sure. Yeah, NAS- NASCAR do a lot of things good, eh? Yeah. I thought you would have watched a bit of NASCAR because of your Trans Am and all that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, I I, I think I, I rate Kyle Larson a lot. Like I watch it every now and again. But mm. You're a big Speedway fan because I saw you at Parramatta way back yeah, in yeah, the day, yeah. you and Damo, and you guys, well, you guys would all turn up. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> we used to go – like I love, when, the, when the spring cars are on at Christmas time, like they're like, – when the, the Yanks are out here, like that's because basically, well, the reason dad got into racing back in the day was because dad's dad, Pa, was mm. um, was pretty big into his speedway. Like he raced, you know, he was classes like the Camden Cowboy was his nickname and raced awesome. one of the big uh, Aussie America yeah. sort of shows back in the The Sydney 80s. showground days? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, Liverpool Speedway back back. Back then, which is obviously long before my time, but yeah, um, have you seen photos of that drone or videos of that oh, track? Yeah, 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 back yeah. from back, yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. that place looked wicked. I know, I know. <laughs> it's I a shame that Paris gone though. Hey, it had so much like legacy to it, and obviously, it's yeah. going to change because of the whole Parramatta, you know, landscape yeah. and everything else. But yeah, you so it, you guys love Speedway, don't you? Like, you yeah. and your mates, yeah, yeah, like we, and obviously, yeah, my mate Damo, another story how. The Avid Group come up because Damo actually works for the Avid Group. Does he? Yeah, so that's how that all started. But yeah, because he was racing um, legend cars for a while. Damo was yeah. when I was doing the karting stuff. But yeah, like we we he's probably into it more than I am. But I definitely try and go around Christmas time because I'd love to have a crack in a sprint car or something. Eh? I'd, yeah. I don't know how I'd go, but even a midget, or I'd just love to see what it's like. Like I just love to. Have you spoken to Maxi J a lot though? Because he was ultimate karting Sydney sponsored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen him the other day actually, Maxi. Yeah. Um, well, we're really good family friends with um, with Troy Jenkins, who yeah. who races in the midgets. Like he's had BOC for a, for a long time, and he's actually asked if I wanted to have a drive of it at like one of the sponsor nights. And mm. I'm like, yes, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So be, I'd actually be interested to see how what it's like or how how it feel. Have you gone yeah. Eastern Creek Speedway yet? Yeah, been there once. Yeah, yeah, last year. Yeah. Did you enjoy it, or is it just, or is it taking you a while to get used to? Because you're so used to the old joint. I, I think they've done it pretty well. Like, I think it's pretty cool. I know, like talking to like Maxi and Troy and stuff, they reckon the surface is no good. Like they've got a bit of work to do with the drainage and all that, which I think they might have done. Yeah, now. they fixed it. It was quite yeah, good the other were. night. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's actually actually the track was real good. When I when Brooke and I went there, Brooke's just learning it, but the track was well bedded in there. Yeah, right. Yeah. What's happened to Maxi? I thought he was was he gonna is that it for his sprint car campaign? I think he said I think he said the other day he's gonna do a few. Yeah. A few just one offs. Mm. Um yeah, but he's not he's not chasing it hard and whatever like he like he once was. Yeah. Maybe um, you can switch him. Fucking give, yeah, yeah, <laughs> give him a right. ride in the supercar. Yeah, can I have a go in the sprinkler? Yeah, give me a night in the sprinkler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So well, before we end this podcast, um, I have this thing which you may have heard because you've listened to a few episodes apparently about the Fast Five. Have you heard the Fast Five? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous on this one. <laughs> <laughs> prepared. Yes. Oh, not really. But oh, anyway. no, no. But people, what we said, because, you know, we record in advance. I think it's only the last two or three we've been saying this. Yeah. Um, I took over coming up with some of the questions because this one over here was coming up with some, you know, you probably heard them <laughs> thinking, thinking, oh, my God, what is Sam, this? Sam Young's on. Boy, oh boy, that was fucking shit house. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't see that. I love how Sam told you they were. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got five questions. Get more than three right. Good prize. Less than three right. Something special from Dan. Yeah. So you either get a bogey prize or a really good prize. But you've got to get, th- is it three out of five correct? Yeah, isn't we'll go. It? Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. Three out of five correct. All right. We'll head to the fast five. So we're heading in these. How fast is the fast? Like, is it? Question, question. No, question. no, no you've got no, time to think. No, it's, it's, like okay. a, it's a general, it's easy as. You don't have okay. to like, yeah. you yeah, don't have to. Right, we, can okay. tell you, we, can, we can even talk about what, 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 what we're giving you questions on. All right. Where did Mark Larkham and Paul Morris collide at the start line in the year 2000, causing one of the worst fire incidents in Australian motor racing history? Oran Park. Do you yeah. remember much of that? Were you there? Do you remember? Have you seen footage of it? Yes. And um, are you mates with Paul Morris? Oh, not, not mates, really. but like we chat. Yeah. Um, uh, why do I know that so well? Why is something recent? I've seen that video. Um, oh, because Eggleston now have that car, that big Kev car as it crashed. Really? Yeah, yeah, I seen it the other day. I was so, like, that's so bizarre that that is left exactly how it crashed and it's now in the Eggleston workshop. Wow. Like the rear corner just caved in, the roll cage is broken. Holy so because I watched the video a few weeks ago. Yeah, far out. It was huge so, back then in the day though. Because oh. like, that was actually Lowndes' championship winner, that chassis. I didn't know that. Because then a year later or a couple of years later, it was Big Kev with Paul Morris. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. And Paul Morris had that whole Big Kev. He was quite good with the sponsorship yeah. back in the day, yeah. the Big Kev thing. Yeah. I'm excited. Anyway, yeah. question number two. Where and when did truck racing begin in Australia? As in your dad's generation, <laughs> truck racing. Where are? Uh, Where and when did truck racing begin in Australia? Like the proper trucks. Just the what? year for the when. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say like 80, 85 or 6 at Warren <sighs> Park. Very close. Very close. And you, he's done what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> you said, so it was 88. We'll give you a second chance for the yeah, place. Do you remember? Do you, do you, can you guess the track? It wasn't Aaron Park, obviously. Calder? Thunderdome? No. Cold, it was yep. Calder Park. Correct. We'll give you that one. Yeah, right. So half, you got, half. Half. Half, half points. All right. <laughs> Brooks counting, not me. <laughs> so, it was, so it was 88, was it? Yep. Yeah, it was 88. Calder Park. Yeah, right. Yeah. You maybe you and your brother can have a look at old footage from yeah. whenever that happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, and this is a hard question. Anyway, at what it gets harder as it goes because Brooks decided the way. This is the way it goes now. No, the last one's easy. Okay, fine. <laughs> at what track in the nineteen eighties was the largest crowd ever held for truck racing? Like, what was the largest crowd ever watching truck racing? And how? What was? Where was it? And uh, how? No, how no, big? No. It was, just, it was just at what track. Yeah, you don't have track. to know how many. Yeah, that was just a know. fact I put yeah, in there. You can guess it if you want, but yeah. Uh, it'd have to be Oran Park. Correct. Can you guess how many were there that day? And they are probably watching your dad too. Um, 
how many people for that one day? For that, the, for that whole oh, – I don't know if it was one day. day or event. Event, um, yeah. Oran Park. It really wasn't – it really wasn't a big joint, was it? Mm. Um, was it 40,000? Oh, close. 29 20, – Yeah, okay. 29,596 yeah. actually attended Which for that. Which is a really – so 30,000 roughly. That's – Pretty yeah. big crowd. That, there, that place there. used to draw in big crowds, though, regardless. Yeah. But um, yeah. and what year was that? Oh, Brook didn't. It just Brooke. said in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, nineteen eighties. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, and the next one is which tie manufacturer was not involved in the first round of V of the V eight supercar era? Which tie manufacturer was not involved in the V eight supercar era? So when they all came in, what was the one tie manufacturer that was missing? Oh. <laughs> Dan failed this question. Uh, I roll these questions to him. We practice, and he was uh, like I'll guessing every manufacturer before you got there. Yeah, <laughs> Do you want me to get? Can I give him a hint? Good year. I said the same thing. No. I said the oh, Cam. You and me are on the same path with this. Spot, Did you say spot. good year? Yeah, right. Uh, I said good year too. I'll give you another hint. They've um, sponsored a supercar class since. A supercar, no. Kuma. Oh, Kuma. See, that's what I thought too. I was like, fuck, I thought I well, would have got Well, you've got that. two and a half so far and it, the last one, I, I, I think this is, I think you should get this. Okay, yeah, we'll you should get this one. What musician was recruited to help advertise the series The Greatest Show on Wheels, which is for supercars? What musician was recruited to help advertise the V8 supercar series The Greatest Show on Wheels back in the 2010s? It was like it was like golden era of supercars at this point. Yeah. Um, Tony Cochran era. <laughs> I, I nailed this one. <laughs> I just happened to know because I went through all these old nostalgic videos. <gasps> was it Robbie Williams? No. No. Who was it? Bro? That's probably way off, isn't it? It was pink. It was pink. Oh, it was too. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, now I guess to give you a little fun uh, thing, bro. You got a fun prize, yes. I haven't done a fun prize in a while. Far out, I failed. <laughs> no, it was, it was technically two and a half out of five, but, you know, we set the bar at three. <laughs> Pink, it was two. What have you got, Dan? What's, what are you crawling behind your desk, Will? I think you'll make this one useful, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who's on like Spotify, Apple, etc., it's one of those when you go to Woolies. I don't know if Coles has them. It's those meerkats that are dressed up in outfits that look like scary garden gnomes. <laughs> you could probably install lights in it. I gave you, I gave you one it. of the better, shittier prizes. Like, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with it. <laughs> you should just plonk it in the room I'll and then sit say that nothing. On Abby's bedside table. She'll shit herself. Yeah, just say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, what is this? Leave it there, turn it in the dark, and then be yeah. like, and then when she turns on, she's like, oh, hi, babe. And then, yeah. what the fuck? What the is I think those things should be fitted with lights or something or a voice. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> she's going to be going, what the? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but before we go, man, have you got anything else that you'd want to want to say? Like, what's your preparation for? Like, for example, we'll just go off topic here. What's your preparation for Adelaide? This I've actually given this week to, I guess, a little bit of downtime. Like my, um, I got a sim last year actually, which is actually at Lucci's place as well in his shed. So mm. I want to the next couple of days jump on the sim. Um, done a fair. Oh, I try and jump in the sauna a couple of times before a race meeting. Whether it helps or not, I don't know, but I like to do that. Yeah. Um, I'll run a fair bit this week and 
I'm still, I always try and tell myself to put the tools down in terms of stop what I'm normally doing, but I'm still on the phone flat out and chasing up next year's stuff and, yep. and you're, whatever. You're hoping to be on the supercar grid next year, aren't you? Like Super 2 car, Super 2 grid. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's the plan. It's looking like we we, we will. Mm. Yeah, lot lot lot's gone into it. Lot, still a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. Would you like to do like a wild card race? Yeah. At least, because supercars, as we were saying before, if you were to change supercars, it's so hard. Like Cameron Hill, who's won just about everything, got on the grid. But do you know what I mean? Like, bar that, there's no – it's like Formula 2, Formula 1. It's It seems to be that thing where the twos in both categories, there's like one or two spots for the next year. Yeah, Like, no. it's ridiculous. Like, you'll probably see next year, obviously not Hilly now, but you'll see probably like Everingham, Zach Best, they'll probably do Super 2 again. Mm. And it's probably their – fourth or fifth year because can't get into main game. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. But, yeah, that, that is the plan to, to do it again. If I can do a uh, – I'd love to do Bathurst as a co-drive like next year or the year later, like just see how I'm going. Like I just want to get in, in the supercar more, do more laps, learn more mm. um, away from, I guess, the driving style I'm used to and just keep – Keep pushing and see how we go. Yeah, I'm probably with the same team, or you won't. You won't know. Can't say. Yeah, no. Nah, it'll it'll be it'll be next year with Eggleston. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I love it there. Good people and. Yeah, I got I got to say though, because you saw Barton at the cart track. Do you see Bart much around your area or not? Because he's as busy as you are. I he's- know. We cro- <laughs> We both have. We both have vans the same color, and we cross uh, paths bloody on Warumbi Road, like. Yeah. I got confused seeing your butt. Yeah, you thought your butt was pulling up. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I see. Well, we were actually um, like Timmy Brooks, Bart, my brother, me, Cam Allen. A few of us would mountain biking like every couple of days during COVID as well, like of an Arvo and weekends. Like we were actually riding a lot, which we haven't done as much, but. Yeah, I still see Bart a fair bit at the track. He's always there coaching someone or yeah. doing doing something. <laughs> he got me. He kicked me in the butt and got me into gear. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Oh, as in – As in that's how I won the championship. Yeah, he, yeah. He, legit, he literally literally got me out of the shit in a way. Like I was a bit yeah, like right. you. I was a bit I was a bit unsure back in 2020 if I should continue, which yeah. is what you were kind of saying with your career. Yeah. And he actually legit actually kicked him into gear and he said, listen, if you want to make a go at it, choose the car, choose your crew – and choose everyone around you that you want, and you will, you will legit achieve your goal. Yeah, and he's a, he's a great guy. I'm yeah. sure he's I'm sure he's given you advice at least. Yeah. You, have you gone to Dave Moore's shop at least? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. But yeah, like obviously Bart's, he's well experienced. He knows what he's talking about. Mm. We probably we we never the conversation never seems to go serious with him and I. Like we always end up just joking or talking shit about something. Oh yeah. Or I'll, <laughs> I'll think he's being serious and then he's actually not, and then he'll think I'm starting to talk serious about something. But then I'll punch him in the guts or something. Then it's always just a big joke. <laughs> so we actually never really had a probably serious conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, Cam, I'm really pleased you came on and. um no, yeah, it, was, it was really good fun. Thank you for uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah no, thanks for coming. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on this episode. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.